Hey, what is up? This is not my one phone call from prison. This is the Selvia's Godcast, courtesy of The Athletic Cleveland with TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel. And apparently, as we're in the back room at Progressive Field, we're also joined by a bird in the ceiling. Yeah, there's something in here. <laughs> I was just getting ready to hit record, and I heard a bird. Judging in by the, the state of this room and the decor in here and the lack of organization in here, I'm guessing, I'm pretty confident in this, that years and years and years ago, a pterodactyl laid eggs and it <laughs> finally hatched in the last 48 hours since we last recorded. So uh, we have a baby dinosaur flying around in here. I don't know what that is, but if you hear tweeting in the background... Somewhere at home, just keep a tally on that, and let us know later by tweeting at us. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, I at, get it. At TJ Zupi at Zach Meisel. How many tweets did we get in the middle of this podcast? But you said we had to podcast. Well, I think it's uh, this is a it's two. Okay, this is getting really creepy. Um, it, it, I think three. This is unbelievable. I how really did, think there's a bird. You, there is a bird in the ceiling. How did a bird get in here? Where could it be? Be careful, Jason Grimsley might be up there. He is, I can hear it, he's up here. He's up in the ducks. Did you like my Jason Grimsley joke? I did. He was actually in town, I think. Over the weekend. Over the weekend for the, uh, for as an alumni ambassador. Yeah, Carlos Baerga and Jason Grimsley were so, out signing autographs. I think there are a couple things we need to address here. Number one is we call you TJ, and it's a good thing that there's no PJ who covers the Indians, because then things might get confusing. What about PJ Ziegler, Fox 8? Yeah, what about him? Yeah, it got really confusing when they were, earlier, just a few minutes ago, they were handing out transcriptions because when we're all together in the, the media, we save time often by splitting transcriptions. And one person, we're going to have 15 people transcribe the same 10 minutes, or we're going to have just a couple people send it out and we'll very quickly all get it. So there was a miscommunication between my question and PJ Ziegler's question. Okay, well, so I think we should talk about this because this, you know, this thing happens like once every... 10 years. Yeah, this one didn't happen in the World Series, however. Uh, so I thought it would be worth addressing. And also, I wanted to talk about something, and I hope we can keep it short on this topic, but we'll see how it goes. That bird might keep it short. This is, yeah, it's hard to concentrate with this bird. I don't know, you know, it might just start chasing us. Like that episode of The Office with the bats. <laughs> Who's throwing the plastic bag over Meredith's head? Uh, and who is Meredith in this situation? You know, I probably don't answer that. You're, um, you're in enough hot water as it is. You know, when when fans want answers, and, and we know, you don't have to remind us, like, you better ask about that. Like, we, we know to ask about things. Um, I think there's an interesting... It, baseball is so different because you're... You're around the team every single day for eight or nine months, and you grow to – you build relationships with the players, with coaches, with the PR staff and employees and front office people where you – it's not that you want to ask things or present things delicately, but you learn – and I guess we're starting on this part of it because I'm kind of jumping into this head first here – but you learn 
how to frame things to best get the answers you're looking for. We know everyone wants to know what the hell happened. Why was Oliver Perez not out there facing Joey Votto in that situation? Why was Dan Otero? Why did Terry Francona not realize who was warming up in the bullpen? We know that those are the answers that we want to know. Those are the answers we, our readers want to know. But just screaming at a player or a coach and saying, everyone should be fired for this, like, how can you live with this, is never going to get the answer you need. It's like when you just scream at your little kid, he's not going to behave, he's not going to be receptive to that. But when you explain why you need him to do something, they're probably going to be more prone to behave properly. So it's almost... And I think people last night were like, you better ask the tough questions or you need to take off the, the training wheels and, and get in there and mix things up with Tito and with with Willis. And it's like, we are going to do whatever we need to do. We're going to work as hard as we can. We're going to ask as many questions as possible to get to the bottom of it and to get the answers that we all deserve to know. There's a way to do that. And the longer you're around a team, the the more experience you have covering baseball, the better you are at that. And that's why I think this relates to Trevor Bauer kind of, not snapping, but getting a little defensive about an out-of-town national reporter who who asked for his thoughts on the ninth inning debacle last night. Um, and this happens all the time. I mean, we, we, we see it every day where someone who's not used to being in that room with Terry Francona or with a player asks something in a way that the player or the manager doesn't like, and they don't. They end up going home empty-handed and getting chewed out. Well, see, I, I think there's two schools of thought here. One, and I don't think any. I don't think I'm in a position. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not going to tell any other reporter how to do their job. Everyone's in for there sure. to get something different. For sure. Maybe, like go back to LeBron James. I know Jason Lloyd has talked about this in Game One of the NBA Finals. LeBron James got into it with a, a reporter, a national reporter, who was looking for ver- something very specific. What he was looking for was some sort of emotional reaction. And in the position of LeBron, it was pertaining to J.R. Smith not knowing the score and dribbling out the clock and, and that whole debacle that we really don't need to go relive again. Um, Do you think J.R. knows LeBron signed with L.A.? He's, it's that gif where he's like looking out the slit of his eyes. He's playing for who? So after game one, we were on the road. Where were we? Detroit, maybe? Or Minnesota? I I'd, I'd made that face the entire road trip <laughs> to Jordan Bastion. I think Joe Noga was on that trip. And just like any time they asked me a question, I would just stare at them with my eyes like closed like that, like JR. All right, so you go into it, and you're looking specifically. Somebody, a national reporter, a television guy, is looking for a very short clip, something that can certainly catch on around the country, around the nation, around social media. Um, and a player, like in LeBron's position, him getting up, shutting down the question, walking out and telling him to, and all reporters to be better tomorrow, it might not have gotten him the answer to the question that he was seeking about J.R. Smith, but it certainly got him something that he desired, which was some sort of reaction. And that's one way a reporter can go about um, you know, getting a story. And, and the reason why I don't like that is because I feel like in that position, just for me personally, speaking for myself, I feel like you insert yourself into the story. It's why I don't – I'm not a big fan of the way the NBA has it set up where in postgame, the reporters often have to give their name, their affiliation, they're on television. It becomes a lot more of an event 
than I think it really needs to be. I, I like baseball a little bit more where the, the emphasis should be on the story that you're telling, not so much on the people trying to tell the story. Um, so that's why I prefer, and I always find it more interesting to get the, the thought behind something happening. And, and that's, that's what you're talking about. You, know, you can right. ask, you can burst into the room and say, why the hell was Dan Otero in the game? And come at him very combative. And Tito might sense that you're looking for something, you know, looking for him to blow up, looking for something out of the ordinary, shut it down, and we never quite find out what happened, why Dan Otero wasn't in the game. And that's why you'd approach it in a certain way to, you know, find out why it was that he trusted him. And then we find out that he didn't trust him in that situation, or at least would have preferred, uh, Oliver Perez. It's the same thing with Trevor Bauer last night. You can ask him, are, are you upset with what happened? Of course he's upset with what happened. We know he thinks the situation was bad. Right. Everybody who watched the game think the situation or thought the situation was bad. To me, I, I was more um, curious to know his thought. You know, for Cody Allen, he's out there. He's having a difficult time throwing the ball exactly where he wants to go. He's walking guys. He's hitting guys. Giving up. You know, the double to Duvall was not that bad of a pitch. But still, in that position where it's all falling apart, Trevor's been in those situations. In fact, he even said he was basically in that situation earlier in the game. I wanted to hear from him instead of hearing that that really sucked. I wanted him to put himself in the shoes of being Cody Allen last night and talk about just how difficult that is and the mentality as a pitcher of how you work out your way, work your way through that. And that, to me, was more interesting and why I preferred to go the, the route that I pursued when I asked my question. And you asked it well. You got a great answer that you were that you were looking for. And it, it look, I, I get it. You know, it, it's I think it's a little different in other sports too because in baseball you come back the next day and you have a game. And you're able to move on from things more quickly. That and with having a setting with Tito a mere 12 hours later, well, that, sometimes... And that, yeah, that's what I was going to get to, is, is also, I've said time and time again, post-game interviews are stupid. Obviously, a game like last night, they're essential. Um, but a lot of times you're going to get better material the next day because guys have had time to think about it, they've had time to decompress, get away from the moment, all that emotion a little bit. And so, yeah, we got a lot of material last night after it happened, but also I thought Terry Francona was really interesting and thoughtful about it today and just explaining again, here's what went wrong. Was there anything they could have do, done to, to prevent this? You know, he even said like Scott Atchison, he was asked, could, was there anything Atchison or, or Carl Willis could have done to second guess it or, or just challenge you on it? And he's like, I mean, they're killing themselves for not doing that. But I even told them like, Atch, if you would have said, are you sure about this? I would have taken the phone and shoved it up your ass, was his quote. <laughs> and it's like, like, like that's something that he's not going to be able to be level-headed and um, re- removed from that emotion to, to share that sort of insight last night. Uh, and, and today, after you, like you said, you've given it 12, 15 hours, it's, it's more doable. And, so, and I think that's, you know, I understand fans' frustration and, and the need to get answers immediately right away and, and want to know every detail at that second. Um, but with baseball, just the way the way it is, because because we talk to these guys every day, we're able to get the the stuff with more depth, the more insightful uh, observations 
a day later. And and I think that's that's a benefit here. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of situations where you go into a post game. How many times have you wanted something? You wanted to ask something in a very strategic way to get an answer in a, a very strategic way, and you get down there and you're in the scrum setting, and somebody else has the same thought, but they just go about it a different way, and you get an answer, but it's not necessarily in the way or described in such a way that you were looking for or that you were hoping for. But yet the question's been asked and you're moving on and you're on to the next thing and you never quite get to the bottom of what you're thinking about unless you follow up later. And then a lot of times following up 12 hours later might not make sense. It might it, The story might be over and it might be on to the next thing. So you might have missed your opportunity. You know, so there are a lot of times that you sit there in a press conference and you, you very carefully want to craft a question because if you're careless with your questions you can leave it very open just from our perspective to cliches and things you hear all the time they're like we you know over the years of covering terry francona we know we know all the phrases that he uses quite often and so if you'll ever catch in these settings whether it's pre or post game if you ever listen to the audio oftentimes we reflect a lot of those cliches and a lot of those quotes in our question and the reason is because if you say it it takes it off the table for him to respond to you that way. right he then has to give you something different than just that that quote that cliche you know that titoism that he often goes to there's a reason why like Okay, so like national reporters in any sport are going to have a better chance of breaking big news because they talk to agents, they get fed stuff because they have bigger followings. There are all sorts of reasons, and this is a, a different topic. But like I think about all the publicity like Jason Lloyd and Dave McMenamin and, and uh, Joe Varden have received lately just for their, their Cavs insights and, and all the, the behind-the-scenes nuggets that they've accumulated throughout the years covering LeBron. And that's because LeBron trusted them because they were there every day for years and years and they built up that rapport and they knew how to approach something with him. And we've heard Jason tell the stories of like, you know, they, they get time before they go to that big interview room after a, a playoff game, and Jason will say, "Hey, I'm going to ask you this in this way," and like he knows, he kind of knows how to uh, to extract the information from LeBron that he needs. And I think, in a similar light, like that's what we've grown to be able to do with Tito or with with players, and like it's it's just different. And so I think you know, Trevor Bauer was asked for his thoughts on the ninth inning, and I. Frankly, I also thought that his answer was exactly what you'd be looking for in that situation, where he said, "We blew a four nothing lead. It sucks." Like, like what? What? What more do you want him to say in that situation? Yeah, that's like he 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 handled it as best I thought as he could. What's he going to say? Cody Allen needs to be replaced, or like I can't believe the manager made such an idiotic miscommunication gap. And if if he says that. Everyone says, how can he say that? So it's like, you're putting him in a, probably in a no-win yeah. situation. Um, and listen, I, you know, I don't, they're making millions of dollars, many of them, thousands, of, hundreds of thousands of dollars, guys that haven't been in the league that long. Still, you know, they're, they're compensated very well for being put in these situations, and they understand that going into it. So, that, you know, I don't, I don't feel sorry for them. But I also try to, as much as possible, put myself in their shoes because I think that's fair. And all, you know, most of these, most of these guys realize, or I think, you know, accept as long as you're being fair in the questions that you ask, that they're, you know, they'll respect that you're asking it. 
Um, even if you have to go in there and ask a tough question after a, a crushing loss like last night, that if you're just being, if you're going in there with a gotcha question, you're probably not going to get what you're looking for. If you're in there with a thoughtful question, that you're trying to be very fair, um, you know, because the, 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 the same time you, you know, a couple weeks ago you might be writing something great about a player, you have to still come back and if things call for it, you have to be able to write the the other side of that argument. I think as long as you're fair to the player and you're not, you know, making it personal or trying to put them purposefully in a bad light just to, to earn yourself a few more views or a few more clicks, then I think they'll respect that situation. So let's tackle the actual substance here. I mean oh. Oh, rank in order of most to least the blame for the debacle. A four nothing lead with two outs, two strikes in the ninth inning, and then you lose seven four. Uh, well, if you just look at the entire situation, yes, from the beginning of the inning, from the minute Cody Allen walks through the bullpen door, right, most of it falls on the guy that said it's on me last night, Cody Allen, right, and he would agree with. He said that, and I wrote that. Yeah, you know, I, I had those quotes last night. And I'm sure many people read about it on The Athletic this morning, if, if you could stand a stomach <laughs> reliving any of that. Um, and I don't blame you if you didn't want to. Um, he comes in with a 4 nothing lead. Now, yeah, the Reds owe their credit. They hit a, Adam Duvall hit a pretty good They've pitch. They've got a nice lineup. They do. I mean, I, you and I talked about this yesterday. There's a pl- number of guys that would actually look uh, pretty nice in the Indians lineup. Um, I actually have a couple of my close friends that are really big Reds fans. Really? And one of them called me today and was like, wait, are we good? <laughs> I'm like, you no, should be. Ex- I actually have told both of them, like, you should be pretty excited and encouraged. I know it's taken a long time to get to this point, but the lineup is yeah. good. The bullpen is really good. And the starting pitchers are, they've been really bad this year overall. But, like, they're all young guys who clearly just need experience. And that's, you know, that's the easiest thing to solve. Is this the Reds podcast now? It should be. They're less frustrating to talk about David right now, Weathers which is weird. Cast. The, t- <laughs> the Sean Casey's. <laughs> Maircast. Yeah. Um, I lost sight of what I was going to say. Oh, Cody um, Allen deserves Yeah, I mean, play. so, yeah, you give them credit for laying off close pitches. And the end of the day, your closer comes in in a four-run lead. Can't hit the leadoff guy with an 0-2 knuckle curve. You can't. The most egregious thing: you can't walk the guy that has very limited, if none, major league success, hitting in front of Joey Votto. Dilson with the bases loaded. Someone named Dilson. Dilson Herrera is up there. You can't lose him with the three-two three-two pitch. I mean, shit happens, and you lose the strike zone. But in that situation, you have to throw a strike. You have to make Dilson Herrera beat you. You yeah. cannot put the club in a situation where you or any. Anybody else is facing Joey Votto with the bases loaded. If you lost the Dilson Herrera, you go, oh, well, that was shitty. But you still go, okay, I still understand why you would rather him go out there and earn his base hit than face Joey Votto with the bases loaded. So absolutely, Cody Allen gets the most blame for last night. But I think there's enough of it to go around. I mean, from from top to bottom. Fire everybody, from right? From top to bottom, everybody is owed some sort of blame, don't okay, you think? Okay, so who else? Tito, Carl Willis, Scott Atchison, Dan Otero. Oliver Perez for not speaking what, up what, and what, saying, Dan, can I pitch, please? Like poor Dan was supposed to say, I know. hey, guys, uh, probably you want to go with the lefty in this situation. True, but he also, he, he to be fair, and I, look, Otero's been, he's had a rough year. If you look at his splits, he's been awesome against righties. He's been brutal against lefties. So And they had two lefties coming up. Yeah, which, uh, 
again, there are so many. See, I don't. There's think, so many different things that had to happen I where think, it's like, how did it get to this point? I, I think as a reliever. But he didn't and, have and to. I don't think he fell behind Votto though. And that kind of screwed him. Yeah. No. Sure. But I'm like a reliever. I know you're being a little facetious about him standing up and being like, hey, uh, maybe go to Oliver Perez instead of me, Mario. I don't think they think about that at all. I think no. it's just the call goes down. That's my name. I need to get ready right now. I also don't understand why not have multiple guys up. Like Oliver Perez, my, I mean, you might have needed someone behind him if even if he would have – like if he would have gotten – Yeah. I don't know if, if it would have been a tie game or something like. Uh, they pinch it for Jeanette, and they bring in a right-handed hitter. You have another. I mean, yeah. So that's why secondary, Terry Francona, absolutely. Now, if you just look at the situation, the, that situation, the mix-up, the communication problem. Yes, there is a breakdown along the way, but still, ultimately, the manager is in charge of knowing who's in, who's warming up, who's coming in, and even if there's miscommunication, uh, miscommunication along the way, it's still up to the guy that's leading the army, the general, to. To make sure all the pieces are in place. And so to make this even more confusing, because a lot of people have said, why do they call him OT? He doesn't know. They don't know. It's just that this is what they do. Everybody has a nickname. Everyone in every major league clubhouse has a nickname. So I know people have said, stop with the nicknames. That's not going to happen. You're around people every single day for eight, nine months. Like, that's that's just what you do. It's, it's a brotherhood. It's it's a it's a group of friends. Like, you, tell you have nicknames. what I call you? No. Not here. <laughs> Not with the bird listening. Uh, so, to make matters even more confusing, you have OT, you have OP, and the reason it's OP and not Ollie is because the guy who just came off the disabled list, Tyler Olsen, is Oli. So that would just confuse... like Oli and Ollie. Just wait till you have Oli and Ollie. The good thing is they're both left-handed. They, do they have to clarify, like, when... Perez gets up that it's not Roberto Perez going out there? Yeah, I mean, I... Was, Neil and Jose Ramirez. That's what they need. I mean, they, they got rid of the guy that would be the most difficult, Mark Zepchinski. He was designated for assignment today. But if you said Zepchinski, you probably would understand, right? That right. would be Zepchinski. They should keep guys with unique names. That's the problem here. <laughs> unique New York. I unique was going to say that. I know that reference. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is – does this – is this the cherry on top for the bullpen dumpster fire that has been the first half of the I would season? say that, but, like, I shudder to think – how many times have you written this endless search for rock bottom? And yet, <laughs> I feel like the I feel like the bottom is we still haven't seen it because I know things can always get worse. But that is as brutal as brutal can get. To have a breakdown on every level, to have your closer come in in a, with a four run lead and blow it, to have your manager, your pitching coach, your bullpen coach all uh, misfire on who they needed to get up, then. To have Dan Otero come in, fall behind Joey Votto. I mean, he still could have gotten him out. Dan Otero is an established enough reliever that he very well could have just gotten Joey Votto out. I, mean, it's I not actually like, thought he was going like, to. That would have been the perfect like. We never would have learned, figured any of this out. They would have. Uh, they would have said, "Well, we liked Otero there because Votto was 0 for four against him," which we all right. would have rolled our eyes at. But it would have. Results over said, process. Votto last night said, "Hey, I understood because I don't hit Dan yeah. Otero very well." That guy's always tough on me. But it just would have made sense. The Reds still scrap and claw. He's still only hitting 200 against them. Hit all the way back. and Yeah, but what's his slugging? What's his RBI per at-bat? Yeah, that, that's a metric that we can all get behind. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I just thought it would have been fitting if he would have actually gotten Votto. So we agree. Brutal. As, br- as brutal as brutal can get. A breakdown on pretty much every level. Is there anybody that's blameless? Who doesn't get any blame? <sighs> 
I mean, should Andrew Miller get some blame? That would have been his better. Yeah, I mean, stay healthy. Should have thought about that before you got hurt. Uh, you know, Tyler Naquin. Front office deserves some blame. Tyler Naquin was out there in the outfield. He could have easily said, "No, no, hey, get the lefty. <laughs> That's the lefty we're looking for." Um, how about the fans sitting in center field? Yeah, like what are they doing out there? Hey, Atch. I, he probably didn't mean Otero. You know, so. OT and OP are pretty close. You might want to think about that. Yeah. And then the weird part, too, is... Oh, the bird's back. Did you hear that? Yeah. Do you think that he tweeted at the very moment that Tito said OP, and that's why there was a miscommunication? Interesting. Uh, what were we talking <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's there's been a communication breakdown on all levels. Yeah, no, the interesting thing was that Perez was warming up earlier in the game. Yeah. And then obviously when Otero came in, he started warming up again. And it's like I mean the and, one time you're not warming up. And the one guy that was a part of this in St. Louis when they were in the World Series against the Texas Rangers, Mark Sepchinski got designated for assignment today. And he was a part of the game 5 debacle where they were supposed to get him and Mott up, and it was only Zepchinski. Mott never got ready, and then Lance Lynn started throwing, and then they had to leave Zepchinski in the game to face former Indian Mike Napoli, who came through with the two-run double that won Texas Game 5. And, of course, we know they went on to win the World Series. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. <laughs> um, the It's 2018, though, and we still have these bullpen phones with the cords. They're nailed into the wall. You ever been like, down there when that thing starts ringing? Oh, it's so loud. Like, I shit my pants the yeah. one time. It's so loud. But you don't hear it like that. Not as bad as Archie Bradley. During a game and, and when it's... You know, the fans are making noise and Tito's doing jumping jacks or whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's it's time we maybe just, like, have a system where you can just push a player's name and that player's name lights up in the bullpen or something it's like, like that. The, Mc, the McDonald's menus. Or shoot a out. text, although then you have autocorrect and OT autocorrects to Evan Marshall or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing on that. But it is FaceTime. You could have just weird. FaceTimed, and it is weird that we're still relying on phone. Like phones, are, are those the only dedicated landlines in Cleveland? Yeah, the ones that sit between the. They could send a phone? fax. Then you can't get it wrong. The yeah, fax comes what out, if they run out of ink. True. Like it, it only prints part of the letter, and then on, who knows to who starts warming up? Atch starts getting ready. I mean, who knows? Have we covered this from every angle that you felt necessary to cover? Yeah, I just... What a mess. What a... And and this is a whole other topic. But, like, the Cavs are done. LeBron's gone. No one cares about them anymore. I mean, maybe they'll trade Kevin Love. Otherwise, it's full-on tank. You're not watching Summer League? No. I've watched as much of that as I've watched soccer. That's a lie. You've watched a little soccer on the Indians Clubhouse. Not really. That's everybody else. I don't like but that. you, like, see it on the television. Have yeah. you seen a highlight of a summer league game? I think my buddy just won a shit ton of money on Croatia. Our colleague, Richard Deitch, who has his media column, tweeted about it. My buddy's all excited now. But anyway. Uh, so the Cavs are out of the picture. The Brown training camp doesn't start for two weeks. This is the Indians' time to, like... Hog the spotlight. They people are actually talking about them on sports talk radio, and this is what we're talking about instead of, you know, 
they're good and like here's the one last piece they need to and it's instead it's they aren't playing up to their potential they have a bunch of holes to fix and they don't even know how to get the right nicknames mm. <laughs> that's thing i said two weeks ago it's up to them to to claim it i mean yeah they did right. a perfect job of that two years ago they waited a little long last year but it didn't matter because the browns were just an absolute Right, and people Joke. pay attention to twenty-some wins. I mean, that, yeah, that earns you national. Attention. This year, they are completely flopping in in oh, and, and, and and by the way, everyone that has felt felt disgusted with the way that they're playing is completely justified to feel that way. Yeah, uh, this is not I, I, division aside. Division, great, you can take advantage of it. It's it's fine. Uh, the way that they played, it, nothing about the way they played is satisfying from an t- entire team perspective. Right. Do they have individual performances that have been a hell of a lot of fun to watch? Absolutely. Incredible ones. Uh, but it also makes for like one of the weirdest rosters. The construction of the roster itself is so weird. I mean, we talked about it earlier this week. It's I, w- I would rather be in the position they're in than the other way where you have a bunch of really good guys but no legitimate stars. Right. But it's still just really weird. You have two holes in the outfield. You've got maybe a hole at second base. Kipnis is playing well enough that it has probably moved it down the list a little bit. And then you have all those holes in the bullpen. And it just makes for such a weirdly constructed team. So do you want them to trade for BH, KB, (laughs) ZB? What would they call Brad Hand? What would his nickname be? Handy? can't call him Handy. (laughs) Not in public. We could write that. Uh, Yeah. I don't think I don't th- <laughs> can I say it? <laughs> I don't think you can pick up the phone and say, "Hey, get me a handy." <laughs> I don't think yeah, that's probably not the right thing you should be doing, especially not in today's age in the Me Too movement. Yeah, so maybe that's how they'll decide who they're going to trade for. <laughs> okay. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to APGPS or S. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. What else? Uh, Spotify. Spotify. Spotify, I have that. And you can go to TA.com. That's The Athletic. Cleveland. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. What? Yeah. You you feel like you've gone to that site a lot? Is it something I don't know about? TA.com? I've never Uh, been to that. Yeah, I bet you haven't. That takes you to the wrestling website, right? Anyway. T N A. Wait, where are you going with this? I don't know. I better end this podcast before we get any more. Any trouble. last words, TJ? Uh yeah. Um keep all your nicknames to yourself. Okay. Out of here. <laughs> See ya.